Hello, friends, and welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Daniel Quinn and Courtney Staples. On today's episode, we have a world-building prompt from Philip Rosiak, and he says, Hey, guys, recently I've been looking into some of da Vinci's machine drawings, and they're truly fascinating considering that what seems like modern technology could have been thought of by someone in the Renaissance. This inspired me to think of a world similar to Renaissance Italy with warring city-states, rich bankers, merchants, and artistic vibrance. But to add a twist to it, in this Renaissance society, somebody like da Vinci comes up with similar machines, but they actually work. Now there's inventors trying to one-up each other, for better or for worse, and I wanted to see what all of you can come up with for this prompt and setting. Hope you all have a great day. Smiley face. Uh, thank you so much. And a big old smiley face right back at you. Um, I am very excited to get into this. But before we do, remember that if you want us to build your world, like we're doing with uh, Philips today, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com and click on the submit prompt link, follow the instructions, and we will build your world within a reasonable amount of time. Plus, if you want to follow us on social media, you can always go to uh, Twitter and follow us at Let's World Build. You can go to our Discord if you want to become part of our Discord community. And if you're feeling particularly generous, you can always give us money over on Patreon with a link for those in the description of this very show. Now, enough of the shilling. Let's keep on moving. Who wants to get us started off with this da Vinci Renaissance-esque setting we've got going on today. Uh, I can kick us off. Courtney, go right ahead. What do you got for us? We're not going to make this a historical fantasy in Renaissance Italy, unless that's one of your tenets, which is always a possibility. But I thought it could be helpful to do a really brief um, kind of context of why the Italian Renaissance happened to kind of ground everyone in the major concepts. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't have Medici's on my tenant list, but yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> All right. So um, to give some background there, um, the Renaissance started around 1400-ish in Italy, and there were a lot of different factors at play that separated it from the medieval era, which had been pretty um, rigid, to put it one way, between <laughs> feudalism and strict religion. Um, people from different cultures and regions were interacting more, trading more, especially after the Crusades, which lasted about from about 1100 to 1300 or so. Uh, then the Black Death showed up uh, in the mid-1300s and killed an absolutely enormous amount of people across Europe, um, West Central Asia, North Africa. And when I say enormous, I mean like 75 to 200 million people total. Um, in Europe, somewhere between 30 to 60% of the population at the time, which is just insane to think about. Mm. And not surprisingly, that caused some people to question, you know, what the fuck was going on and why was it happening? And in turn, question the Catholic Church, um, which had essentially been like the reigning power over Europe for centuries at that point. Mm. And that kind of helped set the stage for secular groups and families to gain influence. Um, but on a brighter note, there was also a renewed interest in Greek and Roman art, uh, myth, philosophy, which led to humanism and the idea that broad liberal education for like the common people was actually a good thing, oddly enough. And of course, a more educated populace is more likely to, again, question and challenge tradition. And um, that was really 
really boosted in the mid-1400s when Gutenberg invented, invented the printing press, which allowed for much, much faster and cheaper printing of texts, and thus much faster and cheaper spreading of ideas to all of these commoners who could now read. So it was kind of this perfect storm of like war, tragedy, curiosity, innovation um, that made people question the old ways and push for something new. And I think it'll be important to keep that in mind while we build a setting, that kind of blend of people coming together, um, not just sharing their own cultures, but also taking interest in exploring the past and like pulling from that. Absolutely. Thank you for that, you know, overview on what Renaissance means, because <laughs> I think a lot of time when people who are interested in fantasy, when they think medieval, a lot of the times they're actually thinking of you know, just the general past, or they're actually mm -hmm. blending medieval with Renaissance stuff. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, there's this idea that no one ever pictures history correctly. And there are thousands of terrible listicles from BuzzFeed at all <laughs> uh, about, you know, like 17 brain busters about how you're thinking about history wrong. You know, it's like there, there's journalism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and like they're right, you know, like mm. they're, they're absolutely correct. But there is a thing. I think this is mostly in fantasy where it's like they tend to eschew a lot of uh, or rather this happens a lot in fantasy where it basically becomes like this is just the past. And it's like a melange mm. of all these different eras within human history and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there is one thing that I did also want to mention about the impact on the plague as well, because mm. one of the, one of the really important things that happened is after the plague, because there was such a shortage of workers, uh, there was actually a greater bargaining effect that the laborers mm. were able to kind of hold over the aristocracy. So, they started to get better wages and better treatment and stuff like that. So that's something that I also want to harp on and kind of make mm -hmm. sure that that doesn't get glossed over as well. Yeah, that's very important too. Definitely. Absolutely. Oh, that was a very helpful intro, Courtney. Yeah. So now we can ignore all of that and go on yeah. with our tenets. <laughs> <laughs> so Courtney, what is your first tenet that you want to introduce here to uh, our Renaissance world? Um, so given that Philip wanted a somewhat like competitive one-upping vibe to the setting um, with inventors kind of competing and inventing these crazy things, um, I would love to include a major university or maybe a series of smaller universities or guilds so that we could go in an almost like Harry Potter-esque direction with the overall feel. I'm so okay with this. You have no idea. <laughs> Like th this makes me very happy that we can do Excellent. like kind of a um, like a, a bardic college or something like that, or or kind yeah. of like a magic school or magic college. Like I'm I'm totally okay with that. Awesome, that's neat. That would uh, I like the competitive uh, intellectuals more so than competitive businesses in that case. Yeah, and um, that is actually something that I would like to dovetail into because I think that it's appropriate. Uh, my first tenet is related to magic in general. And uh, when I first read the prompt, I actually missed inventors. So I'm going to broaden the spectrum of magic just a little bit when it's so we're not going to just be applying it to inventors. But my first tenet is people in this setting manifest magic through the arts. So mm. 
that's going to be painting, drawing, sculpting, music, etc. And how powerful the effect is, is based on how much they love the thing that they're doing and how much creativity they're approaching the subject with. So when you say it's not just competition between businesses, I want to codify that even further, Daniel, and say, this is demonstrably not about business. This is very mm-hmm. much about the arts themselves. I I love that concept. Um, I was going to say, like, does the... Um... Does the magic um, govern how technology is being developed as well? Or is it kind of like the kickoff inspiration point for these these ventures to create technology? So I I married the two ideas that, you know, like when you consider Da Vinci, like he's a famous artist, inventor. He was a renaissance man in many ways. Mm. But um, and the thing that I wanted to focus on was like, the reason that Da Vinci and the reason that magic manifests is because like he was so inspired and so brilliant and so creative that this magic essentially manifests in whatever he's doing. So Mm -hmm. I have another tenant that is related to that. I'm actually going to skirt around it for now because I want to hear what other people have to say. But my, my basic concept that I'm working with here is that whatever the person makes, that's where the magic is. So you can sculpt something And then that magic is manifest through the sculpture or through the painting or through the poem itself, you know? Cool. So then I guess we should wait till later to figure out how magic functions in the world, because then there are questions of um, what does like the rise of reason and rationality mean, um, you know, in this period, given that it's supposed to be a departure from a previous, you know, irrational period. Yeah, my um, my both of my tenets are very much related to magic and the arts. So I'm hoping that other people have other con- ideas. But I also have a bunch of other ideas that I can work with, too. That's what the show is about, is getting excited and about being creative. So, Daniel, why don't you tell us what your first tenet is and kind of give us a little bit more guidance here? Um, I was interested in the Da Vinci figure himself or herself or whoever this person may or may not be. I know there are multiple vendors, but... Obviously, there's probably some legendary one. Um, so my tenant was the this this particular inventor is himself a machine, though he doesn't realize <laughs> it, and it's a mystery who created him, and that his inventions depend in part on the technology with which he was created. Interesting. Interesting. So he's an automaton, basically, or mm-hmm. something what like if, that. What if he's like from one of the older civilizations that people started to look back to, but he just doesn't realize it because he's essentially turned on um, more recently. So he kind of woke up with all these ideas and started inventing crazy things. And um, it turns out that that. carrying knowledge back from the past. I I do like the idea that this is a lost civilization or even a forgotten Mm -hmm. civilization. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been in some way. Yeah, actually, like something that is so far in the past to the current civilization that they've basically Mm -hmm. been forgotten about. But there are obvious markers that they existed in the, you know, in the world. And I like the idea that we can think of them as Atlanteans where they're hyper advanced compared to, you know, the the civilizations of the time. But they're just fucking gone, you know, maybe that like we can go with the old adage that, you know, their (laughs) technology is so advanced that it's magical. Mm. maybe uh <laughs> we'll, we'll have to talk about that when i get to my second tenant though <laughs> mm. 
with um with Atlanteans being mentioned now, I'm picturing this robot just like washing up on shore one day and getting up yeah. and washing himself off and being like, I have some ideas. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> he gets right to work. He gets right to work. He's he's what's his face? Tom, um, what's the guy that I love? Tom uh, Bombadil. Me Tim no, Rogers. God, no. Um, what's his name? The one with the Tim Rogers. The, Tim Rogers. He's Tim Rogers, but Da Vinci form. <laughs> okay. Uh, I for some reason, Courtney, when you say that, like, I'm also now just picturing him like literally walking out of yeah. the sea, being like, I have things to make and things yeah. to do. The first thing he yeah. builds right out of the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and i could see him going to like some poor farmers like hamlet or something and then like pushing aside all the stuff on their desk and he just like says i need to get to work i need the following tools you know <laughs> yeah and that that farmer's like what is going on like oh uh, i mean th- <laughs> thank you for automize you know for uh automating my my harvest this year now i'm going mm-hmm. to go learn something i guess yeah I don't know. yeah let's all read a book <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> My God, he must have started the first of those many lyceums, you know, that are out there. Oh, can can we make it so he's wait, 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 wait. Okay, this is gonna sound a little ridiculous. Can be can he be or can it be a living printing press? And it's the Ooh. first one in the world to to, to them. Yeah. So he he's literally like real, rolling off like reams of papers and books and stuff like that. Maybe he's printing out bits of knowledge that they can yeah. then start using and learning to generate their own magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Um, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So, uh, Courtney, what's your second tenet? I I love the direction that we're going with already. I'm very excited. Yeah, um, so my second one was that hot air balloons and zeppelins were among the first major inventions, and that helped kick off a new age of exploration. So oh. maybe maybe our robot Da Vinci used like some sort of hot air technology to come up from the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. Probably, yeah. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, like he <laughs> like rising from the depths on like a hot yeah. air balloon. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I mean, maybe this Atlantis was actually in the sky, and he descended not from the from the. He mm-hmm. didn't ascend from the ocean, but he descended from the sky in a hot air balloon. Oh, that's cool. And, and now we have like floating continent stuff. That's fun, and mm-hmm. and like that's not even something that's going to be touched upon for another couple hundred years. It'll be like mm-hmm. a, it'll be like this mythical El Dorado type thing where it's like people will go on expeditions to try and find it, and they will almost yeah. always fail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Okay. That this is this is already coming together. I'm loving this. Like Mary Poppins, but Da Vinci. <laughs> is he a singing uh, robot too? I was going to say, how good is the singing of this robot? He obviously sings. He's he sings mm-hmm. opera at random. Oh. Obviously. Oh. Okay. 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 Hold on. Hold on. So I'm I'm still thinking that he's a printing press, right? Like it's it's it, this thing is coming out of its chest, but. Mm-hmm to kind of square it with the concept that I was running with, where it's all related to art. He sings the schemata of these things and that's what happens. <laughs> he's so, wondering, like, whenever he's working, he's singing. Yeah. And that's, and that's how these things get printed. It's because he's such a great and passionate singer that these, that these inventions, like the schemata for these inventions, the blueprints for these inventions just kind of roll out of him. Um, that's great. That's really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel, what is your second tenant? My second tenant um, deals with the, I guess, uh, geological landscape. Because he mentioned there being city-states that yes. are mm-hmm. always competing with each other. 
So I, I wanted to say that there was some natural disaster or perhaps man-made cataclysm, I don't care which, that makes the city-states physically separated from each other in such a way that it, that it's difficult. It's either dangerous to travel between them or requires a specific type of transportation um, in order to get between mm-hmm. them easily. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I suppose we'll have to suss that out and figure out what that is. Maybe, yeah. maybe we can put a pin in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the balloons but, are already a good idea. Clue yeah. Towards yeah. It, so I, th- there's also something that I'm thinking of where like, maybe that's why the inventors and the artists in this world matter as much as they do is because mm-hmm. the people themselves can't really muster large armies to try and conquer. Mm-hmm. That's and what so, I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. exactly that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it so would be difficult to move large amounts of people. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, like, there's no like maybe maybe the uh, flying devices are very limited in scope and range, they're small. and they're small, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, you, you're not going to have a helicopter. You might have like an ornithopter or something. Exactly. Like that. I'm picturing, no. um, like, instead of necessarily oceans separating these things, it's more like these city states are built up on different cliffs. And they're very vertically oriented. They need like elevator type technology to pull people up and down. And Mm. um, so the land was shattered in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Like there are deep canyons uh, running between different areas. What what also might be really cool is that like this idea that uh, there are great updrafts and winds Mm -hmm. that kind of support or even uh, on bad days, maybe even hinder uh those types of flying and gliding and such Mm -hmm. Uh, but there's also this cool verticality of like hey i'm gonna grab my ornithopter grab my wind glider and like kind Uh of move from like district to district or something like that yeah and the cities Um, can like be built across tiers of these huge clips too which is kind of cool yeah yeah Mm -hmm. i mean obviously it's gonna be kind of dangerous although not necessarily i can imagine that there's probably like safety literal safety nets built yeah. so people don't die or like die due to terraces you know, yeah exactly yeah. exactly and i, I think right. that also explains as well as the, the the cataclysmic features of the landscape that the reason why cities are so populated because it doesn't make sense mm-hmm. to like spread out because you really can't right yeah yeah right and it could be too that the canyons below like since the sunlight doesn't reach them as much maybe they're just oh. more dangerous more barren um, Harder to grow food. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. All right. Yeah, th- this is, uh, so these are really coming together. I, I'm also loving the idea of like vertical cities and uh, to, mm-hmm. to go along with one of my favorite concepts as well is the vertical forest. So it is, mm-hmm. you know, essentially like a park that is growing through a, you know, city, like a city building or something like that. That's always mm-hmm. one of my favorite things uh, in modern architecture anyway. Um. Yeah, so I think that we can, uh, I have my second tenet that I also want to toss out there as well. And that is, so I've previously established that magic is basically done through the arts, right? Mm -hmm. Um, What I wanted to uh, follow up with that is each piece of art is an entirely unique effect through magic. So uh, there's this thing where it's like each, each piece that you make is always going to have a different effect. And what's important about that is that you don't necessarily want to make the same thing over and over again, lest you be called like derivative. Mm -hmm. And that got me thinking to this idea that, 
uh, reputation among artists is paramount. Like your reputation matters so much more. Like if you're called, you know, derivative, if you're called uncreative, that is like cause for a duel. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it's almost I, like I, they make magic items. Yeah, that's exactly what they do. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. that's that's what I had in mind. And I actually, I thought that I had this in my tenant, but the I, I didn't. Uh, I thought Daniel would have fun with this one. Um, but the concept that I, that I was working with magic was, uh, you know, there's a rebellious spirit within these artists and within these creative types. They infuse a little bit of that into the work itself. And mm-hmm. so it's, you know, there's rebellious spirit within the art. And then that art it, in turn is affected by it because it then s- stops obeying the laws of physics. Uh, yeah, I thought I was going to say, I'm like, I knew, I knew Daniel would have fun with that one. That's neat. Um, So like it does, it's like any, so let's say you have a clock or something, you know, maybe it's, it's such a great clock that it actually ends up giving you a little bit more time than is physically (laughs) possible. Like it has, it does something magical, essentially each of these items. Not only that, but it also helps explain how Da Vinci's, you know, you know, because you look at Da Vinci's artwork Uh, I'm sorry, his inventions, the stuff like the corkscrew helicopter or like the ornithopter. And you look at those and like those can literally not work. And then you're like, well, why not? Because physics. (laughs) And so I'm like, well, fuck it. Like, let's say that like for whatever reason, there's a rebellious spirit and that spirit manifests as I don't obey the laws. And by laws, I mean the laws of physics. Could we could we turn that slightly to make it in line with the Renaissance and the rational mind? Like instead of it not obeying the laws of physics, could it be that it changes the laws of physics to make these things possible? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I see that as essentially the same thing, you know, like. Well, because it would be in the spirit of the Renaissance and that they're discovering new laws of the universe, right? But what mm-hmm. if these devices that the rebellious magic of these people, it pushes the boundaries of what is possible. So it really expands the laws. So now like an ornithopter is possible because there's a thing called or- orthogonal um, gravity that, that this thing has essentially invented and that functions for this particular device. I, I like that concept, but then we would, would that mean inherently that each time a magic item is made, there is a new law of physics that get that gets written as a result. I, yeah, I think like it 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 changes the rules a little bit. Like I don't want to violate the idea of like each item being unique. So like I don't think another item can do that thing in particular. But the way that it functions is that it's altered the rules slightly. Gotcha. And and there is a way to cheat the unique effect thing. By the way, that I'm mm-hmm. considering where you can have similar effects, but this is again. <laughs> what I was, what I was saying earlier, where it's like, you don't want to be called derivative. So yeah, you can have a thing that shoots fireballs, but everyone having a thing that shoots fireballs, Mm -hmm. like that's gauche. And that's, I mean, maybe it's the most precise, maybe the first one that's made is like the most calibrated and the best one because it came with the rules and all the other ones are knockoffs. So they're like shittier fireballs, you know? (laughs) Yeah, no, that that actually kind of works because again, it's, um, it's what I was saying before, where it's how much creativity and love mm-hmm. that you have for the thing. So the first one, because it's new and innovative, is going to be the best kind yeah. of that thing. And then that's all bad. of the other ones, the more derivative you are, the less powerful the item is. And so that's why like weak artists are the less creative ones who basically steal from others. Mm-hmm. I'm also picturing... Um 
the orcs from 40k isn't it don't they like paint their vehicles red or something to make them go because they believe like that? that they have an <laughs> yeah, effect exactly. they do so, like i'm, I'm yeah. picturing like a similar kind of thing here where you like kind of will something to happen and it like doesn't really make any sense but for some reason it yeah it works yeah. that's that's honestly like i did have that in the back of my mind I'm like this kind of <laughs> reminds me of the 40k orcs but yeah. i think it works because it's completely it's it's in a completely different context mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. yeah i think what's great about this too is there's a way for us to square it with the theme right like mm-hmm. i was afraid that we might end up um really just extending the, the period that came before which i assume if this is a renaissance setting a dark ages where mm-hmm. you know unreason and religion reigned but here it's more like it's it's the it's the divine inspiration of creativity the muse Mm -hmm. that has inspired us to really push the boundaries of what we know absolutely uh so the the da vinci figure can we call him the muse oh maybe although i don't know i feel like for some reason i think of a muse as like a they're like they're in greek mythology they're like they're goddesses essentially yeah yeah they're well i mean we can we can call we can call the robot machine the muse like that's fine i don't mind changing we call him the genius because that makes more that sounds kind of it's kind of that's kind of arrogant but i'm I'm well i don't mean in the i mean in in the in the traditional sense of genius like a spirit you know of Mm, gotcha um not like really smart Hmm. I'm having I'm having different ideas now, but mm-hmm. yes, yeah. Let's let's stick with that for now. It's a shorthand for now. Be kind of fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um. So let's so let's let's consider other things within the setting that that I'm kind of interested in. Uh, where do we want our focal point to be? Uh, you know, like I I obviously have a bias. Like I wanted to be pretty heavily focused on art and. What I think is rather interesting is that, you know, art is essentially the stem for magic and everything like that. But there's something to Renaissance art where it's like you needed a patron to fund this. Otherwise, it just Mm -hmm. wouldn't happen. Like you basically die destitute. So how can we mimic that in this type of world? Or do we want to? I feel like it's possible if we just have powerful families in the city states who who um, kind of pick out and commission their favorite artists to mm-hmm. uh, invent things for them. So you sort of have like a, a artist or inventor on retainer at all times. Mm. Yeah. Because these people, they're not like, there's probably a lot of them and they're, they're trained like in these universities we've established, mm-hmm. but I imagine they're not nearly as numbered as like a common folk or like the wealthy families or the merchants. Who right, them. yeah. So how much of an emphasis do we want to have on these schools, these like art schools, you know, like that's the thing that I'm kind of interested in, because to me, we could absolutely make that the entirety of the setting where we're just focusing on these wizarding schools a la Harry Potter, you know, Mm. I'm not super interested in the setting being all about the schools only because like Harry Potter just seems a tread thing. Um, I do think it would be a, it's an important part of the setting because that's where these geniuses get trained. You know, mm-hmm. I imagine they may have some raw talent, but it has to be honed. So mm-hmm. I could imagine that being like one of the main settings, but I could also imagine like 
you know, visiting your patron is a, is a setting element, mm. going to the merchant place is a setting element because you've got to find a way to, mm-hmm. you know, sell your devices or whatever. Because I imagine too, like if I create a unique device, maybe there are other applications that aren't magical that come out of it. Now that I know about these rules that I can then mass produce, that's, you know, that's so let's say the example I gave with like, you made a magical ornithopter that has a new way of traveling through wind. Maybe knowing about that rule lets you create, um, I don't know, a dishwasher that, that <laughs> utilizes that rule somehow. And that's what the merchants mass produce. But the magic mm-hmm. item is still magic and unique. Interesting. So that that's like kind of a side effect, like, oh, we discovered this new rule of physics. Mm-hmm. That's kind of interesting. I, or I like take that... your fireball example. Like if you can now propel uh, these fire things from, from whatever device you created, you might be able to create like, I don't know, a heater with that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot of really interesting things that I'm considering here. I think that there's one thing that I have in my mind that I would actually like to kind of get away from, which is the sole source of magic is the artists themselves. And I kind of want to stick to that. But I'm also now thinking that there's like a a separate substrata or a separate cast of people who are inventors who take what the artists do and try and reproduce it and mass produce it in some way. Kind of like yeah. what Daniel's suggesting. Yeah. I think so. Cause you need like regular engineers and there's probably people who right. aren't inspired, you know, who want to learn. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of a fun way that you can make it. So it's not all about art. There is this kind of like, and, and not only that, but these are two classes that certainly see a rise within the Renaissance themselves, which are the artists, obviously, and you see like engineers and vendors and people within that oeuvre also gain a lot of importance as well. You know, you see a lot of uh, modern wonders, you know, get constructed in the Renaissance period. Um, I think there's a way that we can marry those ideas where you can basically be a bard, which is the artist or like the wizard equivalent or like actually not a w- wizard, but an artificer where they create mm-hmm. and construct these inventions based on what the artists do yeah i think that totally i think we can totally square that yeah it's almost like an artist's field or workshop where you have sort of like the head inventor and then these other people a bit below who kind of take his stuff and reproduce it on a more mass scale right but i'm i'm considering like these are two like the the because the way that my magic works it's based on creativity and passion, but this is not that. This is something else entirely. This is almost like a science to it or, or like an engineering to it, you know, where that- well, I don't think yeah. they're opposed. Like what she's yeah. saying no, is- No, you, no, no, yeah. yeah, like what she's saying is you have like the, you might have hired one of these artists to be a lead designer essentially and his genius and passion creates some magic item that's unique, but then the engineers underneath him look at the, the new law that comes out of that and they say, well, what can we make with this? And they all maybe work yes. for a merchant in that particular case. Right. But but I do want to make them separate in that regard where it's like, yeah. you can have the art. You, basically, what I'm trying to get at is that this would make our Da Vinci figure more interesting because in this case, they would blend the two like other people haven't been able to do before that, you know? I gotcha. Yeah. Which yeah. was basically what Da Vinci did. Like he was exactly an amazing artist, but also a scientist essentially. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's the thing that I also think would be really fun to try and mm-hmm. focus on as well is that the ultimate pursuit of these things would be a combination of everything into one, you know, mm-hmm. again, Renaissance men, you know, where you're yep. gathering bits of everything uh, together. Mm-hmm. Um, All right. I just, I love that the, 
how we have kind of this magical spark that leads to a a, a whole a whole like realm of discovery that can be based on non-magical things i think that's a really yes. cool blend yeah. and it really it, it expresses the idea of a renaissance which is what you're saying yeah mm-hmm. exactly and, and I, I do want to try and stick to that them that those thematics as much as possible um one there's one other thing that i really uh do want to harp on because one of my favorite things about the medicis in general in that period of history is the idea of the vendetta where, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you can, you can have this raging blood feud with another family. Uh, the, and, and I want that to be a bigger part of the setting than we've currently talked about, which is not at all. Oh. Um, but Still I do. Stealing and ideas could definitely drive that. At, oh, yeah. that. That's absolutely part of it, you know? And I think that that's where we can start to get into the different uh, city states that are separated that maybe they gather and uh, uh, hold on. What a convention, like at a big fair, like a world's fair. Oh, it's a world's fair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. To demo demo all the, all the magic items they've made. And that's where like a lot of subterfuge happens. It's not only that, but like, I would imagine that it is, you know, partially a way to show off what you've created. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But in reality, it's kind of like where a lot of the backdoor like mercantile and like mm-hmm. a lot of the trade yep. deals happen. The subterfuge. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And probably some art heists too, which would be a fun. Well, you yes. gotta, you gotta have an yeah. art heist. Yes. Yes. Come on. Could you yeah. imagine the art heist? Like for some of the really large objects, it would be hilarious yeah. and amazing. Yeah. Uh, like that time they stole the Eiffel Tower. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that didn't actually, wow. that's not a historical event, by the way. I want to make sure. But that would that be amazing, clear. though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, not only that, but can you imagine like an artist or uh, an engineer who's like, oh man, I've figured out a way to animate stone or animate this, but I don't really have a use for it. And then they're like, guys, this giant Colossus statue over here. We're going to animate it so it's going to steal itself, you know, like that's, <laughs> that's, that's how that's going to work. Yeah. <laughs> or like who stole it? Like, it's mm, a difficult question to answer. <laughs> we don't actually know. <laughs> it's just kind of gone. Stole itself. It might not be like a Colossus, but I can instead get in a Ghostbusters 2 reference where they steer the... Statue of Liberty with a bunch of pink slime. So that's also a possibility as well. Um, oh, Daniel did not like that reference. Okay. I don't know what happened, but yeah. Like what? <laughs> I like Ghostbusters. Yeah, but Ghostbusters too. Um, I like Ghostbusters too. All right. All right. Is that the well, one with um, the painting guy? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that one's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it is good. I wish, I wish that they made better Ghostbusters movies. Yeah, um, true. There's a new one coming out. I don't know if that's gonna be any good. That's what that's movie. what I mean by oh, really? better. I'm I'm just yeah. assuming it's gonna be garbage, but mm-hmm. you know, me too. Yeah. <sighs> We're cutting all well, that, aren't we? You had a you had a question about like what other places you want to focus on. Like this one one thing that makes me interested now because we described it more is this land below. Um mm-hmm. and yeah. I would wonder how it functions in opposition to the mythical land and land in the sky. Um, and I kind of see expeditions attempting to go in both directions. Yeah. Like there, obviously you want to find out why the earth is hollow, you know, like that's certainly part <laughs> of it. 
Um, so you, you know, you have the expedition into below the earth's crust. Um, oh, actually, you know what? I just realized we can square the apocalyptic, you know, like black plague level event by just having the cataclysm be that event, you know, like yeah. the reason yeah. that we lost a third of the population, a third to 60% of the population is the earth cracking and opening and like swallowing up mm -hmm. large swaths of population. Oh yeah. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then we can even have parallels where it's like, and that's where laborers started to kind of, you know, like gain more uh, hold and stuff like that. Yeah, we can we can see a lot of those parallels happen in a similar event. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, what if something similar had happened uh, in ancient times? And that's why there are those like cloud continents way above the earth. Um, oh, like, in their, in their like way of sorry go ahead finish it up yeah previously like they were kind of the surface of the earth and then something happened to just drop everything else down and then it just happened again oh. with this cataclysm oh i see i i had a, a similar but different mm -hmm. idea which was uh their solution to this was well if the earth's gonna keep doing that we're just gonna fly above it oh, you yeah. know like that's what yeah. happens to them <laughs> i could also see this being the result of the their celestial spheres not quite being like ours like perhaps there are shells you know mm -hmm. and the one above you know collapsed into the one that they're now on top of and there's mm -hmm. shells beyond the atlantean one but that could go into the the mysteries of the cosmos Interesting. yeah i mean th yeah. there's a lot there um yeah, they're, they're, man, yeah, this, this setting is already pretty damn fun. I'm kind mm -hmm. of excited here. <laughs> um, let's go ahead and figure out our world anchor, and then we can build that and then figure out what we want to do with it. So let's roll some dice and figure out what the theme of this thing is going to be. It, the theme of this world building anchor is going to be survival. And the thing that we're going to be focusing on is a relic. Well, that's fairly simple. So we've got a relic focused on survival. Can it be part of an expedition in either direction? Mm -hmm. uh, as the survival as, part? Sure. I mean, yeah. is this something that allows expeditions to happen? It allows survival of these city states as we see them i was thinking um it's uh, maybe the survival aspect has to be part of an expedition to get to a relic mm -hmm. mm. like e echoing that eldorado search kind of thing from yeah there. yeah interesting um i mean you could we could say that something is invented that enables that and and so the expedition you yeah, know, it begins in the workshop and then mm -hmm. it's to acquire something. When when I when we build the anchor, I always assume that the anchor itself is something that is vital to the functioning of the world. Oh, okay. um, I got yeah. You. So like, yeah. So then if we start in the workshop, maybe they develop something <laughs> to do an expedition. Mm -hmm. Right. OK, 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 OK. Or do you mean okay. anchor as in like it's essential to the the earth as it is currently? Maybe I, it, it that that's certainly part of it, you know, like mm -hmm. that's, that's something that I have in mind. Yeah. Like the, the inherent survival of these city states is due to this relic, you know, or mm -hmm. as Daniel is suggesting, maybe the ability to even do these expeditions that are required to even maneuver around the world as it is, is because of this relic. 
Well, let's mm-hmm. let's focus on Courtney's helium balloons and expand them. Like perhaps oh, yeah. that's mm-hmm. a really momentous event because when the first one yeah. was built, it enabled them to travel safely, you know, up yes. down mm-hmm. vertically. So like there's a and it, we could take it to the dune level of complexity where it's like there are a lot of rules about how you can travel and what sort of devices there are to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that a lot actually. Mm-hmm. I like that concept. We can have it uh, again, do we want it to be the first or the biggest or the the most important of these zeppelins? Do we have like a uh oh, what's the do we have like a Hindenburg situation? Like what's what's the deal that we're kind of thinking of here? I wouldn't say the first because I imagine mm-hmm. that there's that they have had them for some time in order to like establish a lot of the setting, but maybe a really important one that lets them go further, like a big one, or I don't know. What do you think, Courtney? They're your babies. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking almost like an Amelia Earhart kind of situation, like something that enables very, very far off travel, mm. potentially so far off that the adventurers get lost and aren't heard from again. Ooh. Interesting. No, I feel like also oh, maybe there was uh What was that Sorry, Courtney? Well, I feel like we've done that in a bunch of settings lately. As mm. far as like sending somebody off to explore and then Well, maybe, maybe there's fucking off, yeah. I, I think I have. So maybe maybe the first one was the unique device that was created, right? That to do this mm-hmm. long distance travel, but it was the one that was inspired, like the magical item. And mm-hmm. they started to develop other ones for it. But that first one was sent off on an initial mission and never returned. So now they've oh. engineered a series, a line of these to travel, right? They're the, mm-hmm. Whatever kind of device they are. And they're searching for that first one with it's the, the blueprint. character. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the yeah. blueprint for all of the others. That totally makes sense. Exactly. And then... Uh, we could even take that Eldorado myth a bit further and marry the two. So it's, well, this is the one that can go the furthest. I think our salvation lies among the clouds with that Eldorado city. I'm going to take this and try and find it. And then it never comes back. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty cool. I like that a lot, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like there's some conflicts here that we're, that we can see that we're just not, I don't know. I'd like to I'd like to see a more focal point in terms of conflicts and whatnot. What do you guys think? I think that may come from the factions as we develop it further. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, do do we want to talk about world governance then? Because you know, we we made sure that the city states are all unique and they're all very important and they're all very focused on reputation. They have the world's fair thing. Do we have any other concepts or questions that we have surrounding them? Oh, actually, speaking of the world, Sarah, maybe that takes place on an enormous, like, Zeppelin-typed thing, like floating. Yeah, you need, like, neutral ground or something like that. Yeah, Yeah. Giant Zeppelin. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's basically a flying city for a little bit. Yeah, that's totally cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, we can we can make that. That's that's a great idea. Uh, do we have any other questions, comments, or anything else like that that we have about the world? Um, uh, one question I had, and I don't know, I don't think we need this, but it's something to consider because it parallels the Renaissance. You talked about um, the church losing power mm-hmm. um, and being a, a you know a significantly powerful entity historically. Mm-hmm. So, like, is there such a parallel here? Um, and we know there's city states; they have their own kind of control and governance. But is there a, a conglomerate, something larger, you know, mm-hmm. than that? 
It's the church of the open field and the mountain, you know, the things that basically betrayed them to cause this cataclysm to happen. I like that too. But, but here's the thing. Uh, we, I do want to point out that even though the church lost a lot of power in, as a result of the black death, Mm. the church is still immensely powerful. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. That's what I mean. Like if, if it's still there, we should probably, I mean, but then again, is that a faction question? Is that something that we can expand there? I don't know. I I think we can talk about it here and now. I mean, like Mm. I think making a faction now is not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, is is the church as it is now, is it a faction? Is it a city state? Like, what do you guys think the remnants of the church should be? Like a Vatican type situation? That's that's what I'm yeah. thinking, you know, like the Vatican yeah. itself. Can it have um, fallen into the earth and there are remnants of the church, like cults, not cults, but groups that have been in all city states, but the, the Vatican itself has plummeted into the darkness? Ooh. Can we can we maybe take that idea and have it so it's like teetering on an edge or teetering on oh, a precipice yes. or something like yes. that? Like the oh, citadel maybe... fell in, but it's teetering. Yeah, yes. and maybe yeah. that that religious group is so intent on like pay, like commissioning artists for inventions because they want to save that that last existing part yeah. of their church yeah. with like air hot air balloons or some sort of like anti gravity technology. Yeah. Yeah, that totally works. See, that's a really cool idea because now you have like the church city state that is basically mm-hmm. in this dark crevasse, right? <laughs> and the ch- and, and the church agents who might be trying to steal mm-hmm. art to save themselves. Yeah. 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 And, and I'm also thinking like what does that city look like? Is it dark all the time except for like maybe at like high noon? Mm-hmm. You know, like does that mean that the church is going around with a bunch of like gas lights or something like that? When it's prayer time is the is the one hour when the sun shines. Oh on the, yeah, on the crack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's that's absolutely correct, Daniel. That's mm-hmm. absolutely correct. It's like one hour the next game. hour that you go to church. Yeah, with the maw. Remember that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's totally picturing that. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> um, all right. Any other questions? Because I'm feeling pretty satisfied. I'm feeling pretty hyped about this concept in this setting now. It's cool. Mm-hmm. yeah courtney any questions um i don't think so actually one thing that i wanted to point out is how how important like the materials and media would be for the artists so mm-hmm. i feel like that could also explain some of the expeditions going down yeah um, is for like mining uh-huh. out uh, minerals that they can grind into pigments and yeah, not um, not just like that. that, but it would also explain the need for patrons because these mm. materials are insanely expensive right, because of how right. hard they are to come by. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And and not only that, but what you were saying earlier, Courtney, is that like maybe the, the laborer is not necessarily the agrarian farmer, but mm. the adventurers and explorers who are risking their lives on these expeditions to get pigments and whatnot. Mm, yeah. Mm. I like that idea a lot. And that opens a lot of doors for like RPG type situations where you're part of one of those groups going down into this kind of dark area that you've never been to before. Oh, yeah. Um, adds a lot of mystery to the setting. I mean, like automatically ready for RPGs. This fucking yeah. setting. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, I'm already picturing ooh, rendering a, a, a scenario for it, you know? <laughs> I mean, what, what I think is really fun, right, is that you have so many different, you know, play styles within the setting in and of itself. Like, mm-hmm. You could be the rich merchant 
who is going to the World's Fair and trying to make all these espionage deals. You could mm-hmm. be an ex, you know, like part of an expedition, like a mm-hmm. blue collar, you know, like type person. You could be in a mage college or, or a, a, an art college, and that could be an entire game and a campaign in of itself. Like this, mm-hmm. yeah, this setting is rife for hooks in different play styles. And so, it's so exciting. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, I'm really excited. And uh, we have to roll a twist before we get on out of here. So let's see what the twist for our Renault, for our Ren. Oh, God. Let's see what our twist is for the Renaissance setting that we've got going on here. Uh, let's roll the die. You know, I, I think that this one, I think that this twist is actually kind of appropriate because it's very interesting. It's very, uh, the setting itself is very interesting. So the twist itself is there's no twist. Uh, we just get to uh, continue on talking about this setting because it's so damn exciting. And remember that if you want us to build your world, talk about your setting, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com. You can submit your own prompt and we will build your world, uh, much like we're doing right now. It's very exciting. Of course, if you want to follow us on social media, you can do so by going to Twitter and following at Let's World Build, where we occasionally tweet out some funny things or interesting things. Uh, If you want to come and join our Discord, or if you're feeling particularly generous and want to give us money over on Patreon, a link for both of those are in the description of this very episode. That'll do it for this episode of World Build With Us. Remember that we love you very much, and we're going to get through this together until next week. Mm